Good morning and welcome to the 9.30 service. <laughs> Actually, 9.15, I think. I always mess that up. But uh, anyway, it's a one time. So how many of you normally come to 8.30? Oh, okay. Look at that. The ones that came were came. I mean, the previous service was pretty full, so I was pretty uh, proud. But also, if, um, if you're visiting with us, thanks for being here. Adjust your time next week if you want to come back to 8.30 or 10.15, just FYI. Hey, um, so I was talking to a younger, uh, no, not younger, a young couple uh, last week, and uh, we were just talking about uh, life, and, and they were, in, in particular, they're renting an apartment, and they were talking about wanting to buy a house, um, which is a monumental task here in Orange County. As most of you know, the prices are crazy, and it's super hard, but you know, they're talking, I get it, you know, you want to buy a house and you, you know, got to want dogs in the backyard and, you know, have some space to stretch out. So we started talking about that and what the price range was. And, uh, you know, they gave a number, but they weren't exactly sure. And I said, well, have you pre-qualified? They said, no, what's that? And I said, well, it's it's, you got to go to the bank and hand in your paperwork and get pre-qualified before you can even make an offer on a house. Um, and then that'll tell you what you can afford and how much you got to ask mom and dad for, basically, to, to help you out. So we kind of had this little first things first discussion of, you know, before you go down here, that's cool, but you got you to start here to get there. <laughs> and um, so I think they're in the works of doing that. Uh, but if I handed around a microphone here this morning, I was thinking about this. If I handed around a microphone here this morning, just kind of pass it around and ask you this simple question, what would you consider the most important part of your walk with Jesus, your Christian life? I think we'd get different responses depending on who it is. Some might say God's word. It's super important to me to study in God's word and to be in God's word. Others might say prayer. My prayer life, that, that's what keeps me going. That's, uh, without that, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be charged up every day. I wouldn't be close to the Lord. Some might say worship. I love worship. I love encountering God through worship. Some might say serving at the church, using my gifts to build others up. That's super important. Um, could be support, giving, Ukraine, whatever it is we would probably have different responses. But if we ask Jesus, what's the most important part of the Christian life? I wonder if that's an adjustment for us this morning. Because he says in Matthew 28, 19 to the disciples, here's what's important. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Share the gospel, be an evangelist, get the good news out, duplicate yourself. That's known as the Great Commission. Those were Jesus' last words, pretty much, instructions at least, before he left the disciples on their own. He didn't say, go study God's word. He didn't say, hey, kick into that prayer life, make sure you attend the worship services, give more at the temple. He says, go and make disciples. 
that adjusts you a little bit. <laughs> but here's the deal. I think I might be preaching to the choir here in terms of if I look out and see your Christian. I don't think that's news to, to anybody. We don't, what, what, did not know that. You know, revelatory. No, we look at that and we go, um, yeah, that's important. Do we do it? No. Not really. Right? Think about it. Have you ever led somebody to Christ? Have you ever been the evangelist and shared the... Usually when we hear that, we go, disqualified, intimidating, not comfortable, awkward for somebody else. I know it, but I don't do it. Why? Why is it that we don't do that? Could it be that we've defined it in a way that it shouldn't be defined? Could it be that we're approaching it in a way that it shouldn't be approached? Because if it's the most important thing and it's not even on our list, that says something like it's the least thing we want to do. And why is that if it's the first thing the Lord wants us to do? I'm entitled this morning's message, First Things First. We're going to look at how to everyone can fulfill the Great Commission. How everyone can do it. I hope this morning's an encouragement for you. If you've never stepped into this kind of activity, my hope is that it will be so encouraging, you'll not only want to, you'll feel you can. We're going to look at John chapter 1, verses 35 to 51, finishing the first chapter in the Gospel of John. If you've been with us the last few weeks, just to give you context, we've been talking about John the Baptist a lot. He's been in, in the study. Uh, we looked at John the Baptist come on the scene. We looked at how he drew a crowd. We looked at how he, he was encountering the, the local leadership, spiritual leadership, the priests and Levites, and how they had their little thing. Then we see how John met Jesus and how he called him the Lamb of God, and then how he baptized Jesus. We saw the demonstration of the Trinity. We saw the commissioning of Jesus, the anointing of Jesus. And in the confirming of John's message through baptism. And these are happening kind of each day. And so now our text now goes to the next day. After Jesus was baptized, now we're on to the next day. And the text says in verse 35, the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, John's disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. So we got the next day, baptism is over. Again, they're out by the Jordan, so it's probably some temporary housing, tents around. People are walking around, and Jesus is just walking by. He's not coming to John. There's a, that encounter's over. They're just walking by. Don't even really know where he's going. But John calls him out again, second time, to his disciples, John's disciples, the guys that are following John, and he says, the Lamb of God. And they go, okay, we're going with him. And then Jesus, we're told in verse 38, turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? In other words, not who, what are you doing? He's getting to their motive. And they said to him, rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Interesting. They answer his question with a question. They didn't answer. They're just basically hinting. They're saying, uh, can we go where you're going? Can we talk with you? Can we explore? Can we have some discussion? Jesus in verse 39 said, come and you will see. 
So they came and saw where he was staying, a little tent or whatever he was staying in. And they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. 10th hour is about four o'clock. They usually base time based on sunrise. So call it 4 p.m. So they went where Jesus went, about 4 p.m. People were coming home from work and they stayed with him for the rest of the day. We don't know really what they said. Probably some lengthy discussion. Maybe some Q&A. Don't really know. But verse 40 tells us one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew. So one of these two disciples was Andrew. Most people think the other one was John, the author of our gospel. We're not told that. Most people think it. So he followed, the first one, the one that speak was, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Okay. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah which means Christ, Messiah Christ anointed, the anointed one of God. So what do we got here? Well, whatever was discussed, it was enough to get Andrew to go, I gotta spread this word. I'm standing or sitting, wherever they were doing, before the Messiah. It's happening. First thought, I gotta tell my brother, Simon Peter. Now, arguably, This is the first disciple, Andrew. First recorded disciple of Jesus. The first follower, the first Christian, right? Now, how did it happen? What transpired to get Andrew to become a Christian and be excited enough to want to tell his brother? Started with John. What did John do? Lamb of God. That was it. It. He didn't even go with them. He didn't go, oh, I'm going to get in on this conversation. I want to hear what's going on. He just went, Lamb of God. That's evangelism. What's evangelism? That's fulfilling the Great Commission. What's fulfilling the Great Commission? Number one in your outline, how everyone can fulfill the Great Commission? Just expose people to Jesus. That's all we're called to do. That's why everybody can do it. If you've been a Christian for a day or a decade, doesn't matter. Because it's not about you and your arguments and your articulated approach. And, and you start doing that, you start going, I'm out. And you disqualify yourself. How prepared was Andrew to lead his brother to Christ? He wasn't. He just said, come and see. Check it out. And that's all John did. Lamb of God, check it out. And this is actually an Old Testament theme, an approach. It's, it's written, they even sang it in one of their songbooks, Psalm 66. The text says, come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of men. See, we're only qualified to do that. 
And I'll get into the, the next part of that in a second. But it made me think, think about your Christian experience. If, if, if you became a Christian, well, anybody. Think about how you came to Christ. I know for me, I was just invited to a concert. It was in the 70s, they had Christian concerts then, I didn't know. I was invited to a place called Calvary. I literally thought it was a Western place where they shot muskets and guns. That's how much exposure I had to that scene. It's like country music, no. Uh, all right, I'll go, I was a musician, yeah, I'll go. That was it. That became an eternal night for me. I came to Christ that night. What did my friend do? Come and see. That's all he did. That's all any of us are supposed to do. Come and see. I hope that encourages you. Because pretty easy, low bar. And everyone can do it. Jesus wouldn't give us something that is a high bar. If people's eternal salvation is hinged on something that's such a high bar, then what's the purpose of the cross? So how do you expose people to Jesus? Well, I don't know, pick it. Who are the people? My kids, oh, okay, parents. Expose your kids to the Lord. How do you do that? Talk to them about it? Read, read them things? Take them to a children's ministry thing? Expose them to the Lord and the things of God. Pretty basic. You don't have to be a children's director. You don't have to be a theologian. Just come and see. What about adults? Friends, family. Hey, don't know if you're looking for a church. Love to invite you to ours. Oh, really? What time of the service? It doesn't matter. It's online. Check it out in the convenience of your home. Come and see. See, it's not awkward. Maybe there's a young mom in your neighborhood and she's overwhelmed. Hey, you know what? We have a MOPS program at our church that totally will give you a break and you'll find some encouragement. Really? Come and see. Promote grace. Remember that? How hard is it to do a kind act for somebody that they don't expect, don't deserve, haven't earned, and you leave them a card? And they come and see by logging on the website. When we say invite people in Easter, what we're saying is come and see. First things first. That needs to be our priority because that has the most significance this side of heaven. Prayer, worship, God's word, all that's experienced in heaven. Leading somebody to Jesus, mm -mm, not so much. Time is short. So if this is a first things first kind of discussion for you that, hey, before you get to the house or the backyard, let's, 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 let's get over here 
and kind of get this thing going because this is the most important to God. It's not most important to me because I've inflated it to the point where I've disqualified myself and it's super awkward and I don't even want to do it. Okay, this is pretty easy. I just look for come and see moments and that's it. But we got to be careful that we're not... Come and see my policies, my causes, my moral barometer, and all those kind of things. No, it's about Jesus. Don't conflate it. Don't say come and see Christianity. Because we can take Jesus out of Christianity. Come and see Jesus, the Lamb of God. But all you're doing is exposing, introducing. That's all John did, that's all Andrew did, and we'll see, there's more that do the exact same thing. The text says, so we got Andrew, and we got, uh, he found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Verse 42, he, we're talking about Andrew, brought him, Simon, to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Okay. There's some connection that went on there. Seems very direct. We don't see they had a dialogue. We don't see Peter came to Jesus. We just see Jesus renaming him. Now here's the deal, and I've told you this before. When you think of the Gospels, okay, think of them as angles to the same topic. In other words, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're all Gospels, but they all got their slant. I've equated it to you're driving down the street, and you got front view, you got a rear view mirror, and you got side views. Same street, just different perspectives and focuses. That's what the Gospels are. John's Gospel and the focus of this discussion about the first disciples isn't to give us a comprehensive background onto what happened and took place. You can find more in the other Gospels. His focus is on what exactly took place and the things that transpired in terms of the impact. I'm certain Peter and Jesus had a discussion, and it was probably at the end of the discussion where he said, I'm gonna call you Cephas from now on. He wouldn't rename him if Peter was rejecting and out the door. He wouldn't rename him if Peter wasn't in. So we can assume that whatever transpired beyond this short little thing caused that renaming. And that renaming will play out later, and we'll see in the Gospels. But the next day, okay, so that was that, was that day. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, again, it's probably more to the discussion, but John's focus isn't to unpack the discussion. I don't think Jesus is walking through and going, follow me, right? You should be called Cephas, you know, and just this whole thing. It's very cliff notey, but that doesn't mean that's all that happened. Don't forget, John also, his, his latest gospel is written about 80, 90 AD, about 80 AD. The other gospels were already circulating by now. Um, so if they wanted to know more, they, they would have that. But what was it about Philip? That's interesting. Philip, means, that term is Greek for horse lover. Maybe he was a horse guy. I don't know. But Philip, we're told in verse 40, 